Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Hi, everyone. This is Passage to Profit, Zoom style, the inventor show on WOR 710 iHeartRadio. My better half, who usually helps me host the show, <laughs> hurt his back doing chores around the house. But the show must go on. So I have the lovely and talented Lisa Ascalese, the inventress, here to take Richard Spot as co-host on the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, everybody. Uh, Richard is down, but he's not out. And we know that. He's having a good time right now, I think, Elizabeth. I think you're catering to him, right? Isn't he like laying down in this beautiful space and having all three meals served to him? Absolutely. And snacks and whatever. (laughs) He's got a TV. He's got a heating pad. (laughs) He's got it all. Well, God bless him. He has you. You're lovely. And thank you so much for... I'm honored to be on the show again. I'd love to be able to step in Richard's shoes. Certainly not fill them but be here to step in his shoes and, and pray that he heals and gets better fast. Because I know, I mean, if he's not here, it's a big deal. Luckily, you've been on the show numerous times and have your own podcast. So you're a good choice for filling. You know, one of your ladies just mentioned that we should probably take a moment to recognize George Floyd. His name is going to be on our lips forever, hopefully, and, and hopefully his name makes a change. I love this radio show. And one of the reasons I love the show, and I want to keep doing it through everything that's been going on is that I get to meet so many fascinating people and hear about the future, all the businesses that are happening that are springing up now that are going to be like Target was, you know, Target started somewhere. So thank you, WOR, for letting us have this show because you can listen to it in your car. You can listen to the podcast the next day. But if you're driving along and you have nothing to do and you turn on the radio, I think this is a pretty interesting show for people. I so appreciate everything that you do and you offer. And I love being on the show whenever whenever I'm invited and not invited. I still come on even when I'm not invited. I'm one of those people. I'm going to talk for just a minute about Fireside. Anyone who's been listening to the show or who knows me knows that I started a video directory for businesses. It's a website and a YouTube channel. And I interview people. It's kind of like a mini passage to profit. I interview people about their businesses. I tell them, give me your top value add in the first 10 seconds, 20 seconds, because that's about how long you have to impress people. And then we chat about their businesses and I ask them questions I think people would ask. And then I put them on my YouTube channel and on my website. So I've been building that. Right now I have a lot of different categories. It's a very varied site. After I do proof of concept, I may try to have different sites that are interrelated, but have different like artists on one side and consumer products on another side and things like that. So I have been getting a lot of wonderful people doing videos with me for this site. I'm working on the back end a little bit now, so I haven't posted any new ones lately, but I will be. And um, I'm going to keep it going. So pandemic or not, I had to pivot in Here's my pivot. So now it's time for patent palooza. <laughs> so what is a patent palooza? We talk about an interesting patent issue or whatever. So I went on the USPTO website. They actually sent me an email because on, on their list. And for Memorial Day, they had a really interesting story. It was their May story about how the ripcord on the parachute was invented. So can you believe, Lisa, that... Mm-hmm. Parachutes were invented without the manual ripcord, and people used them. <laughs> Bravery beyond. 
How the heck? I mean, this story, I read the whole story and I just, I thought it was extremely innovative, obviously not innovative enough because it was very dangerous. I mean, it was very dangerous, brave, uh, innovative, but obviously they perfected it. They perfected it. When I read the story, I believe the wife of the person who invented it Mm -hmm. was lolling almost to her demise. So what happened was uh, this man and his wife were trapeze artists back in the early 1900s. And they decided that they were going to parachute out of airplanes. I don't really know exactly why. And the way they did it was the parachute was attached by a cable to the airplane. And when you jumped out, it ripped the thing off the airplane and the chute opened. And she freaked out because she was over water. She didn't realize she was going to blow onto land. And she got all tangled up. She jumped wrong. And she almost died, but she managed to fix it. Within 50 feet. I mean, she was... Really, 50 feet away from um, the water. Her husband maneuvered that plane. He knew he wasn't going to get breakfast the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) Floyd Smith, Illinois in 1884, devised the first manual ripcord that people could control themselves. He got a patent on it. It wasn't perfect. The military picked it up. He worked with them, and the rest is history. So he did get the first patent on it. There have been multiple patents since then as they've improved it, but... He invented it in like 1912. And right after World War I ended was when they really picked it up and started using it so that the pilots in the fighter jets could use it if their jet went down and they needed a parachute. So that was the Patent Palooza. So you're going to do the next one, Lisa, which is our IP in the news. Um, recently, if you go to USPTO, there's a new site called Patents for Partnership. There is a site where you can actually get your product licensed, your patents licensed. Just a really cool thing to do, especially with COVID-19. This is brand new because of COVID-19 and everything that's happening. So many people have invented products in light of what's happened. Believe me, my brain hasn't stopped. I have a page of like, I don't know, 45 different products I've invented over the last 75 days. Great site to check out and look at because I know all of you ladies here on this Zoom, this is amazing. This is miraculous to me that we can do this. This is only the last, uh, over the last several months we've been getting on Zoom and it's incredible. Uh, But definitely go to USPTO.com and check out Patents for Partnership. And I'm I'm glad that the government has opened that up for all of us. Yeah, you can list your patent there. And if somebody's interested in licensing that technology, they can find it there. We're going to get into licensing and if somebody approaches you, what you need to do. So you are listening to Passage to Profit, the inventor's show on WOR 710, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without 
without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We are talking with Lisa Ascalese, the inventress. So Lisa and I will talk about licensing, and I would encourage the presenters that are on here to ask Lisa any questions they have about licensing because she has licensed many products. Just to introduce myself again, I've, I've been inventing for over 38 years, hence the name in The Inventress, uh, putting products on QVC, HSN, uh, Shop HQ, helping people to get on Shark Tank, and just helping my clients to move farther, move past just an idea or an invention. A lot of people invent products and don't know where to go. If you ever need help, my website is inventingatoz.com. You can contact me, phone number 732-647-5433. I'm open. I love creativity. I love innovation. I love, especially when women are empowered enough to do it and feel, um, you know, just feel determined enough to, to get their products off the ground because it's not easy. And Elizabeth, as you say, it's not easy to get a patent always. It's not easy to get licensing, but uh, just want to talk a little bit about that also. Let's say that somebody lists their patent on this USPTO site and somebody contacts them and says, hey, I'm interested in licensing your patent so that I can produce and sell your product. What would be the next step? From USPTO, you're saying? From somebody somebody from the patent office, they would have seen it on the patent office. So let's say, um, I don't know, let's let's do real pie in the sky. Let's say Google comes. Okay. I saw your app, your patent. We want it. We want to license it from you. So here we have a contract, which we actually made out to favor us very much. So, <laughs> so then do you just take the contract and sign it or do you have your own lawyer look at it? What do you do? We take it to the Gearhearts. First of all, we take it to Gearheart Law or wherever your, you know, your patent attorney is preferably Gearhart Law, because they understand what licensing is all about. And there's a certain verbiage that is written. And what happens, unfortunately, with a lot of people who don't understand the patent world or the inventing world, just get excited, especially when you have a brand new product and you trust people are out there to be on your side, be to favor what you're doing. And that's not always the case. Okay. I'm not saying, you know, look at everything as a negative, but, you know, there are a lot of negatives to people who are in, in, you know, looking out for their own best interest. So I would say certainly take it to your patent attorney and have them review it. You know, uh, they're going to give you the shorter end, unfortunately, until you step up and say, okay, I have an attorney. I have somebody who's backing me up. And these, these should be the terms or negotiate terms. Don't just say yes, because it's Google or because it's whatever, you know, Comcast or whoever is looking to, to give you or Coca-Cola. Uh, patent your product because they are looking out for their best interest. See your patent attorney, uh, Richard Gearhart and team first before you sign any documents. Right. I mean, we've seen a lot of contracts through the law firm and we've also seen them in our personal lives. And it, it feels kind of like to me when somebody hands you their own contract, it certainly favors them and they expect pushback. They don't expect you to just sign it. I mean, if they expect you to just sign it, then they think that you're pretty naive, I think. And I do think you need an attorney or somebody who's a licensing expert to help you. What are some of the things that would be in a license? Like there could be an exclusive license where they're the only ones that can use it, or it could be an open license, right? Where they have the permission to use it, but you can also produce it yourself, or you can let other people license it too. What's the most common type that you see for your clients' products? 
There are a few different ways um, that you can go into a, a licensing agreement. And again, this is where you have a few uh, voices on your side. You know, and just to get down to real basics is when I send an email or have a conversation like this, I copy a lot of people. I copy Gearhart in my uh, conversations with any company I'm working with. A common licensing deal, let's just use fabric hypothetically. It's simple. It's easy. Let's just, let's not get into electronics because that goes really deep. So let's just say, um, all right, so I had a licensing deal with Bed Bath & Beyond for a product that's made out of fabric. It's called Luggies Bow simple bed bath and beyond said okay we'll manufacture it we'll manufacture the product for you and i'm not going to get into real specifics but we will manufacture the product for you um you help us with the package design it still belongs to you it's not necessarily exclusive to us but it can be so that was a negotiation do i want to make it exclusive to bed bath and beyond do i want to make it non-exclusive where i'm um selling it to manufacturing it myself and selling it online. It's all about a conversation. Um, Howie just joined us. Hi, Howie. Hi, how are you? I'm glad you brought us some diversity because you're the only man on the show. Richard Injured is back. <laughs> ah, glad to be that guy. So Lisa and I were discussing licensing and I thought you and Lisa and I could discuss licensing and then we could ask the presenters if they have questions for you guys about licensing what they're doing. I see you have dude robe there. I do. Stude Rub Central behind me. Nice. Nice. Very nice, Howie. Very nice to meet you, Howie. I'm Lisa Askeles. Nice to finally meet you. And uh, very, very interested in your product, Howie. Elizabeth, you lead, but I mean, I was going to start going off with some questions right away because I looked at your website. I, I looked at a couple of videos and I, I love it. Love the product. I've spoken to Howie. Very, very interesting a product he has and experience as well. Talk to us. How did you come up with Dude Road? But explain to everybody, because maybe everybody on this Zoom show doesn't know what it is, how it works. This, let's talk a little bit about that. So in terms of where it came up, where I came up with it as a product developer, inventor, um, I call myself an inventor because I can't really make anything. So how can I really be an inventor? But I've licensed out products before. So I kind of have that head of like always if I see something that I don't love, like how what, what can I do to make it better that I would love it? Mm -hmm. and, and so there was a period. I'm not a bathrobe guy. If I'd be in the shower, my wife would be getting ready for work and she'd be blowing her hair and putting makeup on and she's wearing a bathrobe and she looked really comfortable. And I would think to myself as I'm in the shower, I'm like, I like to be comfortable, but I don't like that. Like that big, like fluffy bathrobe, it's just not for me. So I kept thinking, it was like literally a two-week period. Every day I'd be like, what would I wear? Like, like what would be cool enough that I think I would wear? And at first I started thinking about a towel. I'm like, well, to me, a towel would be cooler than what she's wearing, but towels don't look that cool. And then one day there was a hoodie hanging next to the towels. And I said, wait a minute, what if I combined those two things? If I made it more like a hoodie and it was like a hoodie outside and a towel inside, that I think I'd wear. And so I literally jumped out of the shower, got dressed, of course, ran to Walmart, bought six towels, ran to my tailor who's done other stuff for me. And I said, hey, can you make a hoodie and pants out of this? And a week later, I had my first like prototype or sample. And, I, and when I got it, I was like, you know what? This is even cooler than I thought. And I showed it to my son who's, you know, what how old was he then? He was probably like 20, 21 at the time. He loved it. I showed it to a couple of friends. They loved it. And, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of how it was born. That's fantastic. That's innovation at its 
finest, I have to tell you. And, at, and you did it immediately. I love it. You, at, though you, as you think it, you do it and you make it happen. You create the product and you make it happen. That you're not an inventor, clearly that's false. Um, you are an inventor, you're an innovator, you invented this product, and I'm sure you've done other things. And we all say that. We're not inventors. I've never invented anything. We mentally invent every single day of our lives. And I love that you ran out you, with your clothes on. You put your clothes, I did. On. clothes on. I love it. I mean, so where are you selling your product? Mainly it's online on my website, dudrobe.com. Uh, I sell on Amazon. And I'll do deals every once in a while at certain places like Touch of Modern was a big place that I do incredibly well with. I was supposed to be on Good Morning America today with a Bills and Steals, but, and we could talk about this. Um, I'm, I'm assuming we'll end up getting here, but it's, it's been a little bit crazy with coronavirus delays and, and things getting into the country and things like that. So we're playing a little bit of catch up in certain ways. So I couldn't guarantee the inventory, but, but that would have been an exciting, uh, exciting thing. A lot of my Shark Tank friends have done incredibly well uh, doing these deals and steals with Good Morning America. Oh, how, Dude Robe, where'd that name? It's pretty evident. But how'd you name it Dude Robe? How and why? You know... I got to tell you, it, it's like all of us, right? You you come up with names and you you workshop them, you brainstorm them, you throw it around to people, and you and you see how people respond to them. And there were a couple of others that were in contention, and this one kind of, it's funny. I think of it more like an anti-robe because it's really not like a robe. It's got so many. It's more like a hoodie than a robe, even mm. though it's got some of the robe elements to it. But I don't think people would have understood it hearing the name. So I needed to put in my head, I needed to put the word robe in the name so people could get there, you know, at least have a um, imagine what it's based off of, right? If I just called it something else, they wouldn't even know where to begin. I like it. And it's robe. Robe means uh, it, it, it's comfort, right? When we comfort. think about swaddling, we think about being very, very comfortable. Yeah. I just have to ask you this question, Howie. So... It is dude robe, and I see that in your background back there. You have the male symbol in the in the word. I like that. But what if women want to wear it? Are they allowed? A hundred percent. I will tell you, it's so funny. Like I've debated. I'm going to launch a, whether you want to call it a dude robe for her or dudette robe. But the oh. truth, and that that becomes just a si sizing and styling issue. But the truth of the matter is, this is my honest opinion. Being a dude, even though I use the male symbol is way more about your attitude than it is about your gender, right? Like being, being a dude is more like a lifestyle. Wow, okay. I, so I have a daughter who is about to turn 21. And every once in a while, you'll hear her or her friends, they'll, call, they'll say dude, like to each other. And it's just more of, like I said, it started out as a very male thing. I think it's just who you are. If you're someone who's cool and likes to hang out, and likes to chill, you're a cool dude. <laughs> Dude. You are a cool dude. Howie. <laughs> you guys are cool dudettes. Let's go with that. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, so we have a couple more minutes. So do you want to say anything about licensing real quick, Howie? There's licensing out and there's licensing in, right? So I've done both. I mean, licensing out is when you come up with an idea and you want to license that product out. In fact, I've been approached for Dude Robe to license it out in certain ways. And licensing in would be like a Disney license or an NBA license. If I wanted to put that on Dude Robe, I would license that in. I assume you mean more about licensing out because we're dealing with product developers, right? Who may not want to manufacture. I never wanted to manufacture, to be honest with you. I love the licensing, you know, that platform and that way of going about 
coming up with a product and letting somebody who already has the distribution and already has the sales force and let them take all the risk. I'll just take a, a royalty. And it's a great way to, to go about if you don't want to take the risk, if you don't have the financial wherewithal, if you don't have the time to do it, the energy to do it, whatever it is, you may be better off just licensing your idea out. So I have to ask you, what is the one most important thing that needs to be in that license for the person who is licensing their product to another company? In the agreement, you mean? I guess I would say the main thing would be putting in guarantees that if they don't hit certain milestones, that you either get the product back or they owe you, you know, a certain amount of money. So it guarantees that they're not going to just sit on it. And, and if they are, you can get it back and, and run with it on your own or license it to somebody else. Okay, great. We have like one more minute before break. So does anybody who's presenting today have any questions for Howie real quick? So I guess it's for both you guys, um, you and Lisa. What are the going rates for licensing these days? I know it differs by category and by how strong the brand is and all that, but what's the range and what gets the highest licensing rates? So, you know, if you are a well-known brand, obviously, you know, like a Nike, you're, when you develop a product, you're going to get more money. You probably get some upfront money. No, you will get upfront money as opposed to a brand that's not known. They may offer you a percentage anywhere between 2 and 7% of royalties. And I mean, this, it's a whole deep conversation. Uh, and typically a license deal, licensing deal lasts about two years, but you can also negotiate that. And that's where prior to Howie coming in, I said, this, this is all negotiation. Everything is negotiable. Nothing is solid. Nothing is always, nothing is concrete. You can negotiate, you know, um, not just being exclusive to one corporation or one store, uh, but a multitude of stores. And so uh, price-wise, um, how much you're going to get, it's really, that's going to be on a table and that's a conversation. So Howie? So I would say the two to seven is, is you know, pretty accurate. I've seen up to 10 um, which is rare. I would say the average is probably about 5%. And, and what's funny is when you, when you deal with inventors, they always think it should be more, of course, but the companies are the ones who are doing all the work and taking all the risk. So 5% is pretty average. In terms of, you know, who's the most, like I've gotten, I've gotten seven and a half, I've gotten 10, I've gotten five. In terms of, I don't know from an industry um, perspective who gives the most, but I can tell you who gives the least. <laughs> and, and that, and, but there's a reason. So that's the, as seen on TV industry, you're typically going to get like two or 3%. And that's because, you know, the volume and the margins may not be as great. And the risk is much bigger upfront because they're paying for TV and, and space and things like that. And so that's what you're going to end up getting there. But you may end up making a hell of a lot more money, even though you're getting a less percent it may end up being a better deal for you. And you're talking percent of wholesale, right? Percent of wholesale. But, you know, again, that's it's an interesting thing. When you negotiate the deal, you want to make sure if, let's just say, they're selling on Amazon or they're selling on their website, you should get the percent of retail in those cases, mm -hmm. but wholesale when they sell, if they're selling to a store. So it's whatever they get, that's what you should mm -hmm. get your percentage of. I'm just wondering how you... Um how you get these deals. I mean, I, it's kind of new to me. So I have my kind of thing that I think about and I'm exposed to, but I, I don't know how do you get to that point where you're on an as seen on TV product? You have to do a lot of work. It starts with a lot of research. 
it then goes to, okay, you know, you figure out where your product lives and where it makes sense and, and who those companies are that you should be going to. Let's say it's an as seen on TV type product. You use LinkedIn, you use the web, you use connections. And those companies, many, especially as seen on TV companies, they're open to outside innovation. But what you need to do as an inventor is make sure that you've done your research, make sure you've put together great marketing materials that look like you deserve royalty, frankly. You know, it can't just be, in some cases it can be, but often enough, you don't want to just do a hand sketch thing. You want to do your research on on patents. You want to be patent pending, at least with a provisional patent application. So there are steps you take and it's to be honest with you, you can find it all on the web or you can, there are books you can read on it, but mm-hmm. you know, there, there are just certain steps that you do that, that get you to the point of then reaching out to those companies. Yeah. I mean, see for me, because I make uh, stress medicine from flowers that high in the sky company for me is Johnson and Johnson. And so from the point I am now to the point I'd be at that level, I'm just, it seems almost impossible. I know it's not, but what you're talking about, like licensing your product, it just, I didn't think about that, but now I'm going to set it in my head as a goal. That's great to have that one company that you're aiming for, but make sure your list is as big as it can be. And companies like Johnson Johnson, of course, they're a little trickier to get to and to get through. And that's why, in my opinion, of course, company people do license products to Johnson Johnson, General Motors and things like that. Much tougher to do. The sweet spot of licensing, and I'm going to pick numbers, they, they're somewhat irrelevant in a way, but like the companies that are a level or two below that, that are in the, let's say, 75, 50 to like, let's call it $250 million companies, those are like more in line with the type of companies that are easier to get to for inventors to license to. The other ones aren't impossible. It just takes a little bit more work and it depends how open to outside innovation they are. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like when you're on social media and then you target the B-list celebrities to kind of try to get their attention towards your brand. Easier to access them as opposed to, you know, those those A-list A-listers. And by the way, and by the way, just like with those B-list celebrities, it may end up being a better um, option for you because you'll get more attention. You may get a better royalty. You know, there's just much more that can come from a relationship with a company where you're not dealing with quite as many layers and as much bureaucracy. What's really important and Howie, I love the positivity because nothing is impossible. It's not, you know, I've been with QVC for over 20 years. I, I always say I keep my, my shoe heel in the door so I can keep on going back over and over again. Um, because it's, really not, it's not easy to get into these places. But when you, have, when you persevere and you don't stop and you're diligent, don't stop at one email, you can get your foot in the door at some point. You can, I promise you that. Believe me, I've been everywhere. And I, I surprise myself and I laugh at myself a lot. But anyway, um, I also wanted to say, add to that, do your due diligence. Check out those companies that you want to have a licensing deal with because everybody is not the Coca-Cola or the Procter and & Gamble's and you know, and, and even them, you just have to make sure, as you said, Howie, I piggyback that, you really need to be protected before you go into licensing deal. People think that they can go and, um, you know, bring a licensing proposal or proposition to a company without any protection. And some companies will say, thank you very much. Are you, are you patented? Do you have a provisional patent? Well, you're not? Okay, thank you very much for your information. And I may or may talk to you some other time. So it's important to do your due diligence just because you see a big name. Make sure you're protected. Make sure you 
check them out. Don't just, because it's a big company, think that you can, you're protected and it's easy and they're going to have your back. And I'm just being quite honest. And come to me, I take you, walk you through my company is inventing A to Z. I walk you through all of the steps necessary to take your product idea from concept, napkin, all the way to the marketplace, all the way, QVC, HSN, Shark Tank, etc. This is the kind of things entrepreneurs need to know. We do have to go to a break and then we'll have Gerilyn on. So if anybody's just tuning into this right now, we've had a very interesting licensing discussion and we have fantastic companies coming up to talk about. And so if you want to hear what's come up and coming in the world and what's going to be on your shelf tomorrow or on your computer tomorrow, stay tuned. You're listening to WOR 710, Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So, if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A. A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now it's time for the presenter part of our show, and I am happy to introduce Gerilyn Gregg. Gerilyn, tell us what you're selling. Hi. Yes, happy to do it, and thank you so much for having this sort of platform for founders and especially all the women and one good man who are on today. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for having me. Um, look at anyone who's listening who is uh, near a phone, their, their iPhone or their laptop or whatever, you can go straight to my site. It's called anytownusa.com. And what we are is we're a marketplace, but exclusively for people who make products in the U.S. So I founded it two years ago, and our goal is to let you dress yourself from head to toe and your home from front to back door, all in goods made in the U.S., which, of course, you know, is a great business idea because nobody's doing it, and it's hard to find those made in U.S. products. But it's also, you know, got a double bottom line benefit because, um, you know, these people are in your communities and they're friends and neighbors who are selling on our platform. And, um, you know, obviously I'm pretty fired up about it. Well, that's pretty exciting, uh, Gerilyn. I- I'd love to hear more about the business. So everything you're making or your the people who you are bringing to your company are making everything here in the USA. How is that possible? What are the materials that you're bringing in? Are they fabrics? Are they electronics? Are they plastics? What are the products that you're bringing in to the USA to have uh, manufactured and where? Um, These are makers who are based in the U.S. Some of them are crafters. Some of them have factories, so small and medium businesses as well. But they are making everything here in the United States. But we strictly follow the FTC guidelines for what's allowed to say they're made in U.S. And the FTC does allow for three different definitions. So um, if you're going to put the Made in USA label on your product, that means all or virtually all of your materials do have to be made here. 
but the FTC also allows for uh, made in the U.S. with U.S. and imported material, and it also allows for made in U.S. with imported material. So, for example, um, we all know that cork comes from places like Portugal and Spain. So if you want to bring in a roll of cork, like a roll of material um, to the U.S., like one of our sellers does, and cut it and sew it into a handbag in Connecticut, that works for made in U.S. with imported material. If you try, though, to bring in a handbag from Portugal that's already been made and um, all you want to do in the U.S. is embroider it or something like that, that does not count. So because we follow the FTC guidelines, you know, only about 10% of the people we talk to qualify to be on our site. So it's also um, we clean out clutter and junk and copycats and things like that. But we also, because we use all three definitions, we have a very broad assortment. So all kinds of clothing, apparel, jewelry, beauty products. Pretty much we haven't found electronics, I would say yet, but I know they're out there. But it's almost anything else. We don't have food yet, but that is on the horizon for us because it's becoming increasingly um, hard to tell where your food is coming in from as well. Every year, I try and figure out a way to get my product to be made in the USA. Mm -hmm. And it is just so expensive for me to be able to manufacture here that the end price I'd have to charge would just make it so people wouldn't buy it. And I literally just got an email and the person said, and she's a manufacturer in the U.S. And she said, I just got the price. It's coming in too high. Would you be okay if it's actually made in Mexico? And, you know, I don't want to say it defeats the purpose. Bringing it closer is helpful. And expanding my business and keeping the prices low enough so that I can create jobs here is helpful also. But I would love to be able to manufacture here. It's just, it's for certain products. I don't know how they do it with uh, hoodies. Some certain places do it with hoodies. They're able to do it. I think they charge a lot of money for those. Mm -hmm. And it's almost impossible. So I love what you're doing. I love the idea of Made in the USA. And uh, if, if you know any good manufacturer that might be able to find, let me know. It is actually a fallacy that everything that is made in the U.S. is too expensive. Um, and we look, you know, I have a long career in retail as a merchant and, and operator. And I know that if you get over $70 for anything, whether it's a pair of shoes or a hoodie or whatever, it's, it's just not going to sell in quantity, right? So we'll never be dollar store, but we have specifically sought out um, products at three different price tiers with the sweet spot being, you know, what somebody who makes $65,000 a year can afford. There are tricks that the folks who still make in the U.S. have figured out. I'll give you one example. We have a woman in Buford, Georgia, who's a third generation business that makes shoes. Less than 2% of shoes are still made in the U.S., but she makes great shoes. They're the same quality as uh, brands like Clark's or Vionic. And what she did long ago to keep her costs down is she has a closed uh, manufacturing loop. So scraps and whatever, it all goes back into her stream. And so she has almost no waste. She also uses um, in her flip-flops, you know, soy. So that not only keeps her costs down and makes them price competitive, but it also makes them um, infinitely recyclable. So everybody who we work with has figured out how to do it. And we can talk later if you want to be introduced to any of these folks. But also, there's a really great site called makersrow.com, and they literally hook up people who want to make in the U.S. to American manufacturers. Sounds like you know them. I do. I do. Great. I, I'm telling you, I try at least once a year. <laughs> great. Thanks. We're out of time, but it's any town USA. Thank you, Gerilyn. Thank you very much. Passage to Profit. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the Inventress founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. 
I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Uh, Lisa, would you like to introduce our next presenter? Yes, our next presenter is Twanita Osler. Welcome to Passage to Profit. Twanita, please introduce yourself. Tell us about you, please. Well, greetings to all of the listeners out there. Thank you for having me on this amazing show. I'm really excited. Uh, my name is Twanita Dozier. I am the CEO and visionary of a multimedia platform called Boss Up Magazine. I started this platform in 2017. It is self-built, and I have expanded into a lot of different entities of this platform. Um, it does focus on uh, minority emerging entrepreneurs. And um, it offers a digital magazine, a print magazine. It offers social networking events. It also um, offers a mobile app and a TV show that I have on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. Um, I'm really excited about the platform because when I first started this platform, um, media was not really focusing on emerging entrepreneurs. Um, and I thought this was a great way to provide a resource that we definitely need. Well, we certainly are in that space now, just to be clear. You said you have a magazine. It started off as a digital magazine. Um, as the platform began to grow and I started serving more entrepreneurs, I noticed that they needed different things. One person may have just started their business three months ago and they may just need a podcast interview. Um, someone may be a little bit more established and so they may be looking to do more video TV. Um, and so that's how the platform started expanding into different um, areas to cater to those regardless of where they are um, in their business. So do you go out and do video interviews? How do you create your platform? So the business owner has the option to choose what they're looking to do. So if they're looking to do something remote, um, they have that option of a digital feature, which is online. Um, if they're looking to do something face-to-face, -face, I am able to um, travel to them and I meet them face-to-face -face and I interview them. If they're looking to, to do a podcast, we schedule a podcast and we do that remote. For me, I'm really flexible. I do cater to the business owner and I do give them, you know, what they're looking for. Um, so the different services provided, you know, is based on what that business owner is looking for and, and, you know, looking to do. So what kind of entrepreneurs do you have? Is it products? Is it apps? Is it everything? So the entrepreneurs, they vary. I feature those who do fitness. I feature those who um, do photography, who have consulting businesses, who do fashion, it has a, a, a broad spectrum of business owners. Um, I don't want to limit myself on who I feature because everyone starts from somewhere. Um, and I want to make sure that the platform is open to cater to those who need it, regardless of if they're doing fitness, if they're doing fashion, if they're doing technology. Um, I want to make sure that resource is available for them. How do you end up working with people? Like, how, like let's say I said to you, you know, I'm interested. Now what? 
Well, usually uh, people can reach out to me. I have, I, I would say word of mouth is the most powerful form of business growth. I've done a lot of word of mouth referrals, um, a lot of social media. Um, I've done a lot of just me, you know, starting the business, stepping out and approaching people saying, hey, I have this platform um, and I think this would be great for you. Are you interested? Depending on, you know, what you want to do, you can contact me. So once a business owner contacts me, um, we will have a call. We would schedule and talk about what it is you're looking for, what it is you're interested in doing, and then everything will be set up from there. So if someone's interested in a podcast, they will be scheduled for their um, availability date for the podcast. It will be taped, it will be edited, and then it will be posted for them to share and use on their platform. If someone is interested in a, a TV interview, um, again, that would be scheduled. I would come to that person um, and we would do their interview. Again, that would be edited, that would be posted and, and that will be content for that business owner to to use for their business and their platform. So your website is bossupmag.org, correct? Yes, bossupmag.org. How'd you get that name? You know, when I started the platform, I was really struggling with trying to get visibility with the different business that I had. I had a lot of friends who were struggling to get visibility as well and really kind of find something that was for them. You know, at the time in 2017, you know, the shift in media was really focused on celebrities. It was not focused on a lot of entrepreneurs. Today, that is definitely different. And I'm very happy about that. But then, you know, I wanted to create something that, you know, really stood out. You know, it was something that was catchy, something that people knew and felt comfortable with you know, saying, hey, I'm a part of this platform. And when I think about entrepreneurs, I think about them elevating and going to the next level. And that's how I came with, with Boss Up. We are bosses. We're trying to elevate to the next level. Let's take it there. Let's boss up. Great. Thank you. Well, we're out of time. So it is bossupmeg.org. Thank you, Twanita. And you're listening to WOR 710, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit GEAI R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And Lisa Askleys is sitting in for Richard. And we have our special guest, Howie Bush. And if you are just tuning in on the radio to this, we've had some incredible content in this. The podcast will be out tomorrow. We have one more person coming up to talk about her amazing business. I'm really fascinated to hear about this. So, Without further ado, here is Nadia Ameri. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's nice to be here. I'm Nadia Ameri. I'm the founder of The Flower Apothecary. And let me share with you briefly how The Flower Apothecary came about. Um, I'm a psychologist by profession. And when I was with my third baby, I started having this feeling that there's an impending transformation that's happening within me. 
And I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I was lucky enough to be able to kind of leave my job and take care of my babies and wait to birth that transformation. And while I was doing this, my older two were started having fears. They were very normal childhood fears, but nevertheless, because I love homeopathy, I love all forms of natural healing, I looked into it and I thought, hmm, you know what, I think I can do something about this. But it was kind of on the back of my mind until I got this trigger. And the trigger was somebody said, well, why don't you talk to your pediatrician about this? And I was like, what? You know, because my child is afraid of the dark and they keep the light on. So that really motivated me to address the issue ASAP. And what I did was I went to the health food store. I looked at something called flower essences, which are not essential oils. They are the energy of the flower, if you will, the vibrational frequency of the flower. And all living things have a vibrational frequency, as do flowers. And the vibrational frequency of flowers carries healing information. So I started playing mad scientist with that. I bought about seven different individual flower essences and I came home and I started mixing them up and I administered these religiously four drops four times a day for four weeks. And guess what? It didn't work. And I was like, you know what? I don't doubt that the product is work works or doesn't work. I doubted my ability to navigate the product. So I tried again, only this time I went into it stronger. I bought books. I read up on it. I listened more carefully to the fears that the kids were having. And I went in again, another seven bottles, another four weeks, only the second time it worked so well. It worked so well that I was like, is this a miracle? Is this magic? What is this? And why, why wasn't this suggested to me? So at that moment, the flower apothecary was born. I realized this is what I meant to do. This is my passion project. Our first formula is called Fearless. And it completely took care of the fears that my children had, but it also transformed me because I'm kind of, I'm shy. I'm not the life of the party. I'm the person that kind of just will sit quietly. And it turned me into an entrepreneur which was very um, unusual for me as a quiet, shy person. So I'm curious, how do you get the vibrational essence of the flower? Okay, so this is an age-old thing. It's not new. It's not a fad. You take the blooms of a particular flower and you put them on water without touching them with your fingers. And then the heat of the sun or heat via boiling infuses the vibrational frequency of the bloom into the water. And then it goes through a little bit of a processing dilution, if you will. You take that original formula of water and flowers, you remove the flowers, and then you preserve it in part of that water and part brandy. And we call that the mother tincture. And then you further dilute it until you get the dosage bottle, which is what I'm selling. And the purpose of my brand is to make it easy for you to choose what you need and administer it to yourself without buying seven different bottles and without needing to play mad scientist and without needing to learn about them. You just kind of go in the store and say, oh, I think I could use some confidence today. I think I could use some calm today, some joy today. That's a little bit like 
global warming science to me because the whole thing behind global warming is that the energy of the sun is absorbed into the bonds in the chemicals in CO2 is the big one. And the energy stays there trapped in the bonds and generates heat. And that's how we have global warming. So this sounds like the same sort of concept. So if I can reference the work of a Japanese researcher called Masaru Emoto, and he has a book about how water has memory. And a lot of people recognize his work. That's probably the best way to think about it, that water has memory. And we are made up of over 70% water. So if you take a glass of water and it's infused with flower essences and then you drink that glass of water, it floods the water in your own body with that the frequency in that water. And another way you can think about it is, you know how some people bless the water and then they drink it? That's the same idea. So you're saying, this is something that you do ingest. I wasn't sure whether it was something that you rub on your wrist because with the essential oils, you take them, you rub them on the bottom of your feet, you smell them. Of course, you're moved by the mood of the smell and it makes you feel better. So is this something that you're ingesting? Yes, it- correct. This is an ingestible Um, It's not an essential oil. It doesn't smell like anything. It doesn't taste like anything, really. When you use our product, you will taste a slight sweetness to it, but that's not the flower essence. It's the glycerin, the food-grade glycerin that we use to preserve the product, um, and that's what you're tasting. Is it in a bottle? Is it, does it come like a bottle of water? Do you have it in front of you? Is this a dropper full in a glass of water? So it's a one ounce dropper bottle and you take four drops four times a day through the completion of the bottle. And what I tell people is if four drops four times a day is too inconvenient for you, then you can just put it next to your bed. And right when you wake up, you take four drops directly in your mouth And then at night, right before you go to bed, you take another four drops and don't worry too much about those midday doses. But if you are the type of person that does like to do things by the book, you don't have to put it directly in your mouth. You can put it in your water bottle. So you can just take those 16 drops and put them in that water bottle that you carry with you all day long. I tell people wait the full three weeks to expect results, but usually you'll get results within the first week. If it's um, one of the ones like crisis intervention, I have um, a blend called crisis intervention. That one is much more fast acting and it works its best when you are at your worst. I would like to buy a gallon of the pure energy (laughs) one that I see on your site. Oh, yay. It's available right now. Yeah, you're going to get a big surge after this. I'm going to buy some too. Please visit us at theflowerapothecary.com. And if you reference the show, I'll put some extra love in it. You're listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor's Show on WOR 710. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' 
ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Welcome back, listeners. We have come to the end of the show, unfortunately, because it's been a fabulous show. Right, Lisa? It's been wonderful. There's so many questions. I, I, I will be reaching out to each and every one of you. I promise you that. It's been very, very interesting, very uplifting. And thank you all for being a part of this incredible Passage to Profit. Howie, any uh, final words of wisdom for our entrepreneurs and our audience? Words of wisdom. I don't know. Just get through what we got going on and come out stronger on the other side because it's been a little bit crazy for me. It's been really crazy. I would say look and, and what I've chosen to do is take this opportunity while my sales are kind of, you know, doing incredibly well right now. And I can't always fulfill right now because I've had inventory issues coming in, I think I mentioned. And what I've chosen to do is engage with my customers on a deeper level. And I think that's been really helpful for me personally and for my business. And I think that whatever your business is, whoever's listening, whatever you're trying to do, think of a way to take advantage right now, given that you may have extra time or you may have extra opportunity to engage with people. I do think that once things calm down and settle down and are somewhat back to normal, people are going to be buying stuff like crazy. (laughs) So get ready now. I do want to run through everybody's information quickly that's been on the show. So Lisa Askleys took the place of Richard. Thank you, Lisa. And she is Lisa at inventingatoz.com. Lisa Askleys. Our guest, Howie Bush, Howie at dudrobe.com. Our first presenter was Gerilyn Brigg at J-B-R-E-I-G at AnytownUSA.com. And then we had Tonita, and that's info at bossupmag.org. It's a magazine, so B-O-S-S-U-P-M-A-G.org. And then Nadia was our final presenter, and that's Nadia, N-A-D-I-A, at theflowerapothecary.com. So... Thank you, everybody. This has been a wonderful show. Thank you for having us. Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show. WOR 710, the voice of New York. 